Hello, welcome to Anime Ichiban. This is our Goomba Stomp podcast. Um, it's about anime. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, hey guys, how you all doing? How is everyone? Going to、uh, Kyle first. I am good.、Uh, feeling a little on the groggy slash tired side this Saturday morning, but otherwise, I'm doing great and ready to talk about anime. Same here. Good stuff. And Matt, how are you? It's summer and it feels great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. In Boston, we had. I was telling you guys earlier about sitting in. Yeah, we had some real beat down weather a few weeks ago where it was up in the hundreds and it was like 80% humidity. It was awful.、Um, it's since cooled down since then. And we're getting some really pleasant weather now and I'm soaking it all up. I love it. But what I also love to do is talk about anime. So here I am. <laughs> I do quite like anime. So you're going to fit right in. And、uh, we have a guest today. So, Ed, hello, how are you? Hello.、Um, well, you know, I don't have the humidity issue. I just have the 102 degree weather issue. <laughs> Living in the middle of desert California, it's just a fantastic time. But、uh, other than that, you know, it's a good morning at least, and I'm ready to talk about anime. A lot of anime. Good stuff. <laughs> so, Ed's brand new. So, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions just to,、uh, so everyone can get to know you. Uh, okay. So, Ed, what is quite an easy one, but what's your favorite anime series?、Um, I, I would have to say, like, Fully Cooly, honestly. Like, I was the perfect demographic for that show when I watched it. It was like the 11, 12 year old that's like, oh, I'm just going to watch this weird, quirky show. And then it's like this bizarre trip. And it's like this weirdly hyperactive, hypersexual. Like adventure, and it's just such a good, well made show. And also, the music is fantastic. You can't go wrong with the pillows, honestly. Yeah, Kyle, you just saw the pillows live, didn't you? I did, and、Ooh. it was great.、Uh, just being in a mosh pit with a bunch of weebs and getting my ear blown out by some sick guitar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I,、uh, when I saw this tickets go up for that, I went. I hesitated for a little bit. I'm like,、oh, do I want to do this? Because they were performing in Boston too. I'm like, yeah, I want to do this. But then it was already sold out. I'm like, well,、oh, yeah. probably shouldn't mess up. They sold out in a couple minutes. Yep. Unfortunate. But at least one of us got to go. I got to go to Miko Expo and that was fun. <laughs> I, I honestly want to check those out one of these days. Yeah. I went to one in 2016 and was a, that was an adventure to say the least. <laughs> yep.、And、that was like when I was into Vocaloid too. So it was just like, it was weirdly hyped, but also like, In the back of my head, I'm always like, I'm just like, I'm like cheering for like a glass projection. Yep. It's great. <laughs> It's really good though. Yeah. For people who are wondering what the hell we're talking about,、uh, Miko Expo and Vocaloid, you can just、uh, Google Miko Expo like 2018. You'll see exactly what we're talking about. We're not going to spend the time and explain that here quite yet, but it's a good time. <laughs> It's some, a hologram. It's some weeb shit. Yep. Yep. Good old weeb shit.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live in England, so I don't get any conventions. I don't get any、uh, cool Japanese concerts. So sadly, I'm pretty out of loop on all that.、Mm-hmm. But、uh, oh well. Oh well. I don't have Donald Trump, so I mean, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> <laughs> getting getting political.、Uh, it's been like two minutes. It, it's, it's not really the fiercest political statement, though, is it? s w e a d e r up? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Said one more question. If somebody was、right. brand new to anime, never seen anime before,、um, what would you recommend as a series to start with? Oh, see, I haven't seen a lot of the classic ones, so that's a bit of a hard. I would say, like, My Hero is probably like the best one nowadays just because it's so、yeah. 
it's such an easy concept to wrap your head around if you're not an anime fan. Right. It's literally just mm-hmm. like a superhero show. Especially with, like, with the, the Marvel Cinematic movie. Universe going on right now yeah. and how popular that is. Yeah. I'd say like back in the day, maybe like a Cowboy Bebop, like those kinds of like, they're not like too anime, like over the top. They still have like that cool kind of like air to it. So like I'd say like one of those, honestly, one of those classic shows. Yeah. I definitely agree with My Hero Academia. I think it's extremely accessible. And uh, I enjoyed today's episode. Have anyone watched it? I have not, actually. I, I was behind, and so I just watched last week's episode like a few hours ago, but I haven't watched ah. the most recent one yet. What about you two, uh, Kyle and Ed? Have you seen it? I have been too busy to watch uh, much of anything these days, honestly. So I think the last one I watched was th- three weeks ago, maybe now? Ah. <laughs> so yeah, the new season, basically, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I I think we covered this in the last episode, but I actually haven't really been keeping up with the anime just because I've already read the yeah. manga. So I'm probably gonna give it some time before I actually like dig into the show. But yeah, uh, it's from from what I heard, and because my roommate's watching it, um, and knowing where it's at right now, it's like all right, yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good stuff. <laughs> it is, it is good. Yeah, I enjoyed yep. today's episode a lot. Um. Anyways, I was just going to mention, I'm pretty sleep deprived. You mentioned you're quite tired as well, Kyle. But uh, basically, this past few days, I've been staying up really late playing Octopath Traveler. And then <laughs> at about nine, nine o'clock in the morning, uh, my neighbor has been having a workman over to do some hammering. So I'm woken up at nine, firstly by him walking down on his gravel outside, so pacing up and down on his gravel, like the fat cunt he is, scraping up all this gravel, waking me up in the morning, and then I have all these sort of hammering bangs on the wall. And I'm I'm really, really angry. And it's led me to the opinion, I think, if if you're somebody that makes a lot of noise before eleven o'clock in the morning, I'd say, like like pre eleven o'clock, if you're making lots of noise and waking your neighbours, I think you should be led outside and shot. And killed. <laughs> I I personally believe it should be punished by death. Um, I'm really really tired, and uh, this fat cunt every single day is just pacing up and down on his gravel. And I have the window open because it's really hot, so I hear him, and it's it's just a bad time. It's just frustrating. So I just wanted to share my first world problems with you and uh, explain if i if i say anything stupid on the podcast i'm gonna blame it on that i'm gonna blame it on the fact that i'm tired <laughs> well let's just hope that guy never listens to this podcast then imagine well, if he's our biggest fan well Amid- uh, yeah maybe he'll he'll re- reform his ways if he hears this actually it might be a good thing yeah uh, a, a young guy in his 20s calling him a cunt repeatedly on a podcast that's what he needs to, yes exactly uh, to tell him that he's in the wrong anyways uh yeah so first topic today is ed you recently went to anime expo and you did lots of stuff so yeah over to you man i did quite a bit um first thing i did was get delayed on the metro because of an accident so that was a great time when i woke up at like four in the morning to get there early only to then get delayed how far Um, away were you staying from the center Oh, I live like an hour away from okay. Los Angeles, so I just take the metro back and forth. Right, uh, assuming the metro works. <laughs> yeah, assuming I didn't get an 80-minute 80, 80 delay every day, which luckily was only the first day. But, um, yeah, um, I, I saw a lot of, like, movies or, like, premieres, or at least what I consider a lot. 
And then as well as like a lot of games there too, which there was a lot more game demos than I remember there being in previous years, which I kind of dug, honestly. Um, the most, probably the most interesting part for me was all the things I saw on Twitter, which I think we're going to cover more later, but they involved a plastic doll <laughs> and a VR headset in the 18 plus section. So you can kind of already gather what happened there. Um, I didn't go to the 18 plus section because, I mean, it feels kind of weird to go to the 18 plus section alone, at least personally. <laughs> I Like, when you're with friends or something, at least you can, like, goof off and be like, oh, let's go check out this thing. When you're alone, it just kind of looks like you're just there for <laughs> depraved it's, reasons. It's which, awkward enough. You know, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, like, in previous no, years, when I've went, I didn't go this year. But yeah, it used to just be, like, the Faku booth, which was purely 18 plus, and you had to get ID in there. It was just like a small, like cutoff little booth. And it was awkward enough for me and two other friends to go in there like as a joke. And we were in there for all of two minutes like, okay, uh, this isn't so much of a joke anymore. We're out. So yeah, I can't even yeah. imagine what it'd be like for a whole 18 plus section. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I think for, for the most part, I think it's good to have like an 18 plus section. There's also a lounge that was 21 and up. I don't know what was going on there. Oh. I'm only 20. Ooh. But... I saw into it and I'm like, it's literally just like a lounge. There wasn't like anything like, oh. I don't even think they had like alcohol. I just think they wanted the f space for people, people who are, were adults. People are just shitting in each other's mouths. It gets really, really yeah, graphic at that point. It's just a lot of porn everywhere. It's just awful. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. but um, yeah, besides that, um, I think the most, my favorite part was probably just watching Kase-san, which got a review up if you want to check it out, guys, uh, after this podcast. But uh, I just think that was such a well-made film, honestly. It was so... Unfortunately, it was so short because I just wanted more of it. But it was such a good time. But um, as for, like, my criticisms of Anime Expo this year, I'd say my biggest problem was that Anime Expo has just gotten too big these mm. days. Like, I've gotten... I've gone to Anime Expo every year since 2015, I think. And even in 2015, I'm like, there's a lot of people here. I think this year they reached up to like a hundred thousand people plus and you can see it like if you've seen like pictures on twitter or you went there personally it's just like mobs of people like, it's just a clusterfuck of like hundreds of fans and like cosplayers and stuff and i feel bad for the cosplayers honestly because i don't know how they deal with like the heat and stuff yeah you guys had like but, some nasty nasty heat that weekend right like yeah, it was abnormally high, high i think it was uh, uh, in Los Angeles, it's normally like 70 or 80. Like, that's like the norm, I, mm -hmm. I would say. It was like 100 in that day. Plus, yeah, I, I think one of the days was like in the 110s, apparently, which is absolute yeah. insanity. I've, I, I was just like, luckily, I had the fucking uh, the luxury of the press section, which was kind <laughs> of just the second floor. They cut off a little bit of the area there, which another criticism, very minor, and it's kind of like nitpicky last year they had like a little room that had air conditioning and stuff this year we just got kind of got like a section in the second floor and it, it, there wasn't that much air conditioning there so i was just hot anyways and i'm like it's just it's just it's just hot everywhere and mm -hmm. i just hated it yeah. Yeah. but i th i think my biggest issue with animex well, at this point is just the size of it because i think they have to set a lower cap like even like seventy five thousand, you know would have been fine i think like just lowering the amount of people there because it's just kind of becoming too much. It's becoming like a Comic-Con without the, like, venue of San Diego Comic-Con, for example. 
so the biggest concern there is is it a fire hazard for example or yeah how many people are they gonna have next year yeah so is it like the same venue that hasn't really expanded yeah it's the los angeles convention center and some things like some premieres like the kasei-san one i know was in the marriott the jw marriott and i believe the rooster teeth panels the other one i saw that was there i didn't know about oh the jojo panel was there too but besides that there was no other reason to go there besides it being like a hotel and having good air conditioning but Mm. they haven't expanded like the entertainment hall a lot of the things like a lot of the panels that were huge for example you had to go outside like you had to go into the lots on the like around the building because there were just so many people lining up that they couldn't keep them all inside and going outside again <laughs> it's like 100 degrees that was yeah. awful luckily it wasn't take that long but it was still just awful so there's like no cap on the tickets then or on the passes i i if there is it's a very loose cap it's like i would say yeah. upwards of like a hundred thousand i would say oh, honestly the cap is probably their cap is probably just the limit that, like, the fire department set, sets for the building at oh, this point. Oh, man. Yeah, because, like, the nice thing about PAX, um, or at least for PAX West, um, when I went, is that it's limited to around, I think, 30,000, 40,000 people. So what that yeah. means for the Washington uh, State Convention Center here is that you know, there are, you know, aisles and places for you to breathe and just kind of chill. It doesn't ever feel mm-hmm. like, like there's crowds of people, sure, but I can move around and not feel like I'm getting like boxed in. Yeah. Um, Cause that's the thing, like with PAX or with E3, the tickets sell out. Like there's a moment mm-hmm. where they're done, but with right. Anime Expo, it goes up to where you can buy a ticket at the door. Oh. And that seems a mm. bit ridiculous to me when the tickets are on sale year round. Yeah. Mm. And but... I pulled up the statistics just now for attendance. So yeah, it was 110,000 plus unique attendees. Good lord. 350,000 turnstile, which turnstile means I'm pretty sure like people going in and out constantly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 110,000 unique. Even then, man, that is like Yeah. Year before <laughs> was 107,000. But like, you know, and there are like some areas reserved for people to like, you know, just stand around and not have to worry about um like, oh, there's too many people here or there like they have, like, what they call safe spaces, which is kind of, like, a bit on-the-nose kind of name. But, you know, you know the intention of it. It's just, like, if you want, like, a break from all the people, you could just kind of stand over here or something like that. And that's that's a good idea. I would like it if they kind of expanded that. And almost, like, I, I don't know if they have a room that's, like, oh, just chill out here room. I believe they do. I would kind of hope they advertise that more. because They I have a manga people... lounge, I think, yeah. I think that's been yeah, in previous I, years. I, I think most people just don't know it exists because you hardly ever really see anyone go into those or everyone's just all over the place. Um, For people who are going to Anime Expo next year, for example, because I know I have friends who are going for the first time next year. My biggest recommendation is honestly do like half Anime Expo, like spend some time in the convention center, but also like explore like little Tokyo and stuff like that because it's good to have like that breather like you can be in the convention center but then like it's nice to go outside and like not have to worry about like the crowds of people and all that and just go eat somewhere you know go shopping around that's nice and i would recommend that honestly just so you have some space to yourself almost yeah 
But, uh, you know, it's not all negative, honestly. Um, that's just, like, my biggest complaint with Anime Expo. This year, I think they did a pretty good job of handling it. My only other concern is that they don't really have line management that goes really well. For example, I know Rooster Teeth, their convention this year, they have the priority line and the regular lines. With the regular lines, they put like a green triangle kind of thing, like a sign showing this is the regular line and this is the priority line. And I would really appreciate it if Anime Expo kind of adopted that kind of thing, just so that the lines can become more you can they become more highlighted as to where you have to go because sometimes i just don't know where i'm going i remember that too especially with the outdoor lines you were mentioning it's because sometimes they would be in a completely different area of the convention center mm-hmm. where the panel was and you would have no idea really unless you went up to a staff member and asked them, like oh it's around the back around the corner take us right across the street and you'll get to the front of the line then follow that front of the line to the back of the line yeah just like uh that's exactly sir. what it is but um you know, it's nice to actually see things like, it, again, conventions, I think the best, the strength of conventions are not necessarily the things that you see or like the things you buy. It's more of like the atmosphere kind right. of, of being around people who, you know, are similar, like have similarly minded interests, like, you know, just standing in a line, for example, I stood in line for, like, the Persona or, like, the Atlas booth because I'm like, oh, I want some merchandise. I may as well, you know, I have some downtime. I'll buy something here. And then seeing people who are cosplaying, like, the main protagonist or, like, uh, like a bunch of the party members. And it's, like, it's interesting and also just, like, a nice time to just know that you're not going to be, like, judged, for example. <laughs> right. Or, like, yeah. there's not, well, not too harshly unless you're going to the plastic doll section. But, you know, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i just that's that's kind of my favorite part of anime expo and i think that if you go with friends or like you know even like whether it's friends that you know or like that are local or friends that are like from out of the, like the city or out of town being able to go with other people is honestly it, it makes the experience a lot better because this year i went mostly alone and compared to years where i've been with friends um i generally had a more enjoyable time with friends so that's my recommendation to the people who might be going to Anime Expo last year or next year. And besides that, uh, make sure to save a lot of money. <laughs> no, it's, like, nev- it's never enough. Never enough. It's never enough. Like, I, I went, you know, this is like my shame, but I went to the Atlas booth. I was like, okay, I'm going to buy like a water bottle because I really like the design for the Persona 3 dancing water bottle. So I'll buy that. I ended up spending $70 there because the guy was like, you get a free art book. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then I went to the artist alley and I didn't spend that much on artist alley this year, mostly because I didn't have that much to spend. But last year, I know for sure that I spent upwards of $200 on the first hour that I was at Anime Expo. So make sure to, you know either be money savvy or have enough money and another tip i would add on to that is uh uh for smart spending especially when it comes to artist alley if there's something you see that you know isn't in super high demand it's going to be there later on you should always wait to do all of your most of your purchases to the last day of the con because that's when a lot of vendors a lot of artists are just trying to get rid of their stock at that point that's when they'll start to bring down their prices a bit 
So unless yeah. if it's something that you know it's like you see is like I want that right now and it's gonna be gone if I don't get it right now, then you sure get it. But if you if you have an idea, it's like it's a pretty good print, but it's for a really niche show that no one else knows that I I only like. It'll be safe until the last day, and you can get it then for probably a cheaper price. So that's a little tip as well. Yeah. Um, make sure to line up early. You know, if you're gonna go see something. Um, for example, if you're gonna go see a premiere or something. Um, I went like an hour early, and I had the premiere badge technically because the press badge is just the premiere badge. And even I had some difficulties getting in sometimes. Like, if you're gonna go in with just the regular like four day pass or something like that. If you're going to go see a premiere or something that you know is going to be in high demand, um, make sure you go like an hour, an hour and a half almost sometimes, just so you don't have to worry about seating and stuff like that. Um, games and stuff. Uh, just, you know, again, line up early. Um, I think my favorite game that I saw there, which I do want to write an impressions piece on, it's just been like a hectic week mostly, is Code Vein actually, which is, as mo- it's for yeah. people who don't know, it's just right. it's anime Dark Souls. I'm yep. intrigued by that. I think that looks pretty good. I don't... I think it was... Um, uh, I don't know who said it, but uh, someone, one of the people who went to E3 at uh, Goomba Stomp said, like, they didn't... They weren't feeling it or something that was, like that. That and was I, Rick. Yeah. I ha- yeah, Rick said it. And I had a very opposite experience, honestly. At first, I didn't realize what the dodge roll button was. And I'm like, this is a weird design. They didn't put a dodge roll button in a Dark Souls game. And then I realized, oh, it's Circle. And then I'm like, okay, this is much easier now that I actually can dodge and move maneuver. But I would say they did a pretty good job of kind of emulating the Dark Souls formula while still not making it just, it's just Dark Souls. Like, they have items, they have multiple items that you can use now, and I think some of them are like buffs to your weapon, as opposed to just having a healing item equipped 90% of the time. As well as you can have like a companion with you at all times, I think. And I think, like, those little things kind of set it apart from Dark Souls enough to make it, like, its own thing without the meme of, like, this is the Dark Souls of anime. Yeah, I agree. I, pl- I played it at PAX, and I was actually fairly impressed with it, too. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing that I was not impressed with is the hits. There's no, like, weight behind them. It feels like your sword just, like, slices through enemies like butter, and it's just, there's no, like, feedback to it. But besides that, everything else feels good. I like the fact that like you have these special abilities that the game encourages you to use. Whereas in Dark Souls, I feel like you're always holding on to items, holding on to special abilities. Be like, is this the time to use it? Is this the time to use it? No, it's not. It's not because it's gone after that. And you just never get around to using it. Whereas yeah. here, it's just like, no, you get your anchor back. No problem. Just like keep on firing fireballs if you want to. No big deal. Yeah, like with um, Code Vein in particular, uh you mentioned like the hitting the the like kind of like the weight of the attacks Mm -hmm. i definitely felt that as well in particular during the boss fight that they have they had on display because you were fighting the boss and you're like hacking away at it and it felt like you were doing next to nothing and then i looked at the health bar and i'm like okay it just feels like this is hopeless (laughs) on the same at the same time though i think that they designed the boss the one boss that was shown was pretty well designed i think you know I've played Dark Souls 1, I beat it, I played some of Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne, and even, like, then, the boss wasn't like a, oh, this is just an easy boss, like, oh, it's it's such a standard design, like, the way they designed this boss was very mobile, as opposed to the traditional, um, like, action RPG of just, like, the big dude with, like, a big hammer, mm-hmm. for example, this was a very, like, mobile boss, moved around a lot in the arena, I kind of dug that, honestly, if more of the bosses are kind of designed like that, rather than, like, the norm of bigger and you know menacing i kind of would I, I would be down for that more in the games besides that 
I also saw Jump Force, actually, and I Ooh. didn't have the best impressions of it, but I don't know if that's because I was playing it wrong or if it was just kind of wonky. Because I played it, and I was trying to, like, you know, set up combos and stuff like that, and when I would try to set up a combo or something, it would just kind of stop. Like, the game would... Like, I would do, like, square, square, triangle or something like that. Or I don't know what the equivalent of, like, uh, light, light, strong is, because it's been, like, two weeks now. But I would try to do that, and it would just kind of, like, stop me when I hit triangle, and it would start a new combo afterwards. I'm not sure if I was just playing the game wrong, which is entirely possible, because, you know, you get, like, three minutes there, basically. They give you, like, one match, and then you go. So it's entirely possible that I just didn't understand how to play it. But my first impressions, not the best, although I will say... The graphics and like how the game looks fantastic like i love the yeah. more like hyper realistic kind of look to it i think it works well because we've seen enough anime games that are like pseudo cell shaded just anime games i like that they're taking a different approach to it as well as um i you know they, they showed more characters but it was kind of the characters everyone expected like they showed zoro from one piece and they showed sasuke from naruto which that wasn't going to be, like, a shocker that those characters are going to be in the game. Like, that's the ones everyone would think would be in it. But that's Anime Wait, so Expo they, 2018. Sorry, uh, going back to that. Did they show Light, oh, no, you can did, go back. Did they show Light Yagami at AX at all? Uh, because no, that's the one I'm curious about. Apparently, Light's only a campaign character, which is what I read in the news article a while back. Okay. Like, a story character kind of thing. And I'm wondering if maybe they're going to have, like, a support system. Where he might be involved. That I'm makes not sense, yeah. I'm sure, though. Yeah. But apparently they're going to have, like, a story mode that includes characters that aren't fighters. Okay. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Light is going to be, like, a DLC character later on, either. Right. I kind of understand, though, because it'd be difficult to really create a fighting uh, style for him. Because that's obviously not what Definite's about at all, at any point. That's what I was so curious about, though. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I get what you're saying, but when you're saying you didn't have a great experience, I'm personally quite skeptical of 3D arena fighters because they can be all right, but a lot of the time they can be quite clunky and just not mm -hmm. particularly good. Um, and I mean, even like the My Hero Academia game, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but there's still a part of me that's skeptical because it might not quite play as well as it looks, if that makes sense. Right, yeah. like, like, you know, I'm... I'm hesitant. It's not like a game that I've seen. I've been like, oh, that looks amazing. It's like, oh, it could be good, but it's a 3D arena fighter. It could also be really broken and wonky. Um, and that, ex yeah. that extends to the Killer Kill game, obviously. Like like any game of that genre, I'm very mm -hmm. skeptical of. So I really hope... Yeah, I would say that too, honestly, good. the Kill Kill game. Um, I think that the problem is there's just like the 3D arena like fighter for anime games at this point. It's just so easy to make. Well, relatively easy that like there's not much spectacle to it anymore like the only 3d arena fighter that i really enjoyed was like naruto ultimate ninja storm one and two on the like the ps3 yeah i've heard those are very good i never got around to playing them myself but i've heard people say they are very very good mm -hmm. and kill a kill too i think lost a couple a bit of the steam because originally people thought it was gonna be like an arxis game like they were gonna develop it but it turns out they're only publishing it right yeah, we had that whole discussion last episode where Kyle corrected my ass. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's Arxis. And Kyle's like, actually. I mean, I didn't want to be like the downy Debbie there. But yeah, it's, it's what is it, A, A plus? Or whoever did the Little Witch Academia games. 
Right, yeah. It's like, yeah. I, yeah, if you look at their development history, it's like, there is nothing in here that indicates you know how to do a fighting game. So, yeah. I'd but, like to um, be proven wrong, but... I was I was playing the Little Witch Academia game recently, and I, I really like the anime. I'm a big fan of the anime, but I'm not enjoying the game, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it looks awful, firstly. It, it, it feels like it runs at such a uh, sloppy frame rate. Like it's re- it's really weird. Like you see it and you're like, "What the fuck? Am, am I seeing this right?" It's really choppy and really janky. The frame rate is as if it's below thirty. Um, and gameplay wise, it's just not that great. Uh, it all feels very clunky and convoluted and just not very well designed. So, yeah, bad impressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, the Killer Kill game's good because Killer Kill is one of my favorite anime series ever. But I'm not sure. Lots of positivity on the podcast. Lots of yeah. optimism. <laughs> Here's a positive uh, code, question. Code oh, sorry. Good. Yeah. Here's a positive question. Uh, what was the favorite panel you saw? Because we already know your favorite premiere. You went off on that a little bit. So yeah, what was the yeah. favorite panel you saw? I didn't see many this year, mostly because a lot of the panels um, this year were um, not things that I personally enjoyed. But mm-hmm. uh, again, I would say the Fully Cooly 2 and 3 panel. Not because they really showed off anything like groundbreaking or anything. I just like panels that are like voice actors and like creators, directors, just kind of like shooting the shit for like an hour. I kind of dig that kind of thing. So like seeing like the voice cast of uh, Fully Cooly 2 and 3 just like, you know, answering questions and like showing a slideshow with like dogs, which was like a part that they did. It's just, like, nice to see, and I kind of, like, you don't see that side of, like, the industry, kind of. You don't see, like, the directors or, like, the sound engineer just, like, talking and, you know, uh, like, improvising for, like, an hour or so. I like that. I also, uh, I think the Crunchyroll panel this year is pretty good. The Crunchyroll and, like, a lot of those anime industry panels are normally just, like, oh, let's reveal a bunch of stuff. But I think, like, the stuff they had was good. I think the, the, the presenters... We're pretty good too. I think the presenters make or break a lot of panels, and I For think sure. they did a good job yeah. there. The most interesting panel, I would say, was the Zanki Zero panel, which is the new Spike Chunsoft game, I believe, made by the Danganronpa creators, not the writer, but I know the creators are there. And that game just looks like a lot of fun. Like, it's not very much like Danganronpa. There's like a, it's like a mystery game, but it's more like, oh, what happened here, and like, why are we here, and what happened at the earth kind of thing. I don't want to talk too much about it, mostly because I don't know what constitutes as like a spoiler and what doesn't. (laughs) But it's very, it's like this mix of like a survival game with like a dungeon crawler with like a, like a shooter kind of thing. It's like a lot of things at once and I'm digging the design of it. I haven't seen much of the Japanese gameplay because I know it came out in Japan a couple weeks ago and I kind of don't want to spoil myself at this point because I'm actually interested in getting it. But yeah, I would say that in terms of like my favorite, I'd say the Fool of Cooley 2 and 3. But in terms of like the one with like the most content, the Zanky Zero pot, uh, panel was definitely the best one. Mm-hmm. See, I've always been curious about like anime conventions especially. Because like I've, I've always been under the impression that it's like, okay, well, these are all just like panels that I can watch on YouTube later. <laughs> um, well, some of them you can't. Oh, 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 is it, like, just restricted to, like, whoever's been at the con and they don't record the, it? 
I would say the big panels, like the Crunchyroll, like the Production IG, the like Rooster Teeth panels, those are going to be the ones that are streamed. But like, um, there are some panels that are like niche kind of things. Like I know one that kicked up a lot of like steam on Twitter was uh, the LGBT and anime panel. I don't think that one was streamed. It was hosted by Crunchyroll, I think. And, you know, that's like a very like, I would say niche still mm-hmm. in these days, like panel. And, you know, it was like, oh, you want to go see this? We have this here. And that's, like, basically what the panel was. Okay. Yeah, well, that's why... There's still not a huge amount of... I was just going to say, yeah, there's still not a huge amount of LGBT representation in anime, but I think it's Mm -hmm. obviously because uh, gay rights in Japan just aren't anywhere near as advanced as they are in America or the UK. Uh, I'd I'd really love to see gay marriage come into Japan, but I think we're going to be waiting another maybe 10 years, possibly. Could be sooner, but I think it's still going to be a little while. But it's a shame because I think it should happen because it's good and gay people are cool. And mm-hmm. the, that's, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I liked about Kase-san that it was a it was like a it was a gay couple, but there wasn't like any like fetishizing. There wasn't like any like oh, and this is where like they're naked now and they're just like hugging and stuff like that. There wasn't any of that like mm. weird like anime relations that. I think the one show that everyone, like, criticized about it was, like, Citrus, I think. It was, I want to oh, say yeah. two anime seasons ago, which was, like, if I remember correctly, it was, like, Incest, and they were, like, two girls. And yeah, it was, it was like, uh, really Yaru and a school council president. And, yeah, oh, it, was, it was, yeah, super, super sexual. And, yeah, yeah it was uh, not a realistic representation by any means, no. Yeah. But there is an audience yeah, for that like, still. <laughs> There is an audience, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to criticize here, but, yeah, yeah, like, there's panels like that. There are panels like, oh, you want to check out how to make, like, oh, you want to learn how to make cosplay armor? This is the panel for you. I would say, you know, if you're, if you're, like, thing is panels at AX, there's plenty, too, because there's a lot of things for basically everyone, I would Mm -hmm. say. Um, But, yeah, the bigger ones are the ones that are live-streamed, like theoretically I could have just not gone to the Crunchyroll panel because it was like live stream that same day and it was you could have just seen it online but mm-hmm. you know it was it's it's nice to be there too in person right, right, right for it's sure like a different experience yeah but it's like that's why um especially like you had mentioned it earlier but that's why I'm like pretty happy that they're adding more of an interactive component in the form of games just because you know anime games or anime inspired games are very huge now mm-hmm. um especially with a bunch of um and i would assume that there were a decent amount of indie developers there because you get a bunch of weebs that want to make games and they just do it mm-hmm. uh, the lab zero guys were there which oh is, uh, yes soul girls and indivisible and that that game looks it looks fantastic plays fantastic can't wait for that game indivisible mm-hmm. it looks very cool animation by trigger of all people so that's i think ooh. they're just doing the uh Intro or the the, the OP, yeah. Oh, okay, me again with the misinformation. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're here to correct misinformation and also spread some more. We're yeah. here to make you feel bad and insult your knowledge and bullet. I know, you. like, why why That's am I still do. here? Why do I still keep coming onto this podcast? Get out. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of uh, you know, quick aside, you know, before we move on, uh, most disappointing thing about Anime Expo didn't have the Persona dancing game. I was really hoping to play that, mm. but they didn't have it. I just really wanted to like play rhythm games with like Joker and you know all the Phantom Thieves. Didn't get that. Although they did play music from the game, like they were teasing me the whole time. Yeah. 
But that was why the Atlas booth was the best booth because you just were like tired. You just stood around and all you hear is like a full change. That's a nice chill lounge. 2019. Yeah. So all in all, what, what would you rate it out of 10? What would you rate Anime Expo out of 10? Out of 10? Mm, that's, a, that's a bit on the spot. I would say um, this year, my personal experience, maybe like a 7.5. That's good. That's quite a high rating. Yeah, that's a good rating. I, my, my problem with like ratings are like people think like anything under eight is like bad, but like, yeah, it was a good experience. I, it wasn't like, it, again, it wasn't like the first AX I've ever been to. That's that's always gonna be like your favorite one because it's the first one. But I think you know it was good. I had some like issues with it, and then some personal issues on the side, like the metro. But yeah. I would say overall, it was a pretty good experience. They can improve, and uh, you know, even they have said, you know, they know that there's issues and that there's some things to like iron out. And you know, I'm hoping next year is even better than this one. That's good. Mm-hmm. We've acknowledged it, and uh, hopefully, they'll improve it. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay, so the next topic, I'm actually quite interested to talk about this. This was brought up by, by you, Kyle. Uh, so basically, um, I think for a lot of people when they first hear about anime they immediately think of hentai and sexual content and the more perverted side of things, uh, which is probably not a great first impression of the medium, of course. Um, and Kyle, you mentioned that's becoming more and more mainstream. And uh, again, as you were saying, Ed, there was the 18 plus section at Anime Expo. So it was encouraging mm-hmm. people to indulge in their um, anime <laughs> girl, perverted desires, whatever they're into um so so it's becoming more mainstream why do you think this is well it's but also int- do you think there's a there's a problem to it do you think it breeds an element of toxicity towards women uh ooh, those are that's a loaded <laughs> question uh, yeah. Yeah. Let, let's tackle this because uh i i am still completely and always fascinated by this um so looking at it from the perspective like why is it becoming more of a thing or like how that's happening we're, we're we're all around the same age, right? Like mid early twenties. Yep, yeah. mid twenties, twenty five. Okay. Yeah, yeah, twenty five. <laughs> I'm, I'm seventy four. I just look good for my age. Uh, is that? But I'm that's 17. in the um, imperial. Oh no, we have the same system. Oh my god, that's right. Um, anyways, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was trying to make a joke about units, but I forgot that America and England have the same dumb system. That's not the metric system. What? <laughs> Never. You know what? England, it made sense England in my head. This is metric. Okay, moving on. Do they? <laughs> yeah, Amer- misinformation spreading. Oh my god! Wait, Harry, uh, confirm this. Do you use the metric or customary units of measure? I don't have a fucking clue. I don't know. <laughs> Do you measure? Do you use, is, is, is there, there a big M next to all your signs? I just, I yes just, no. I just wake up and and masturbate and watch anime and go to sleep. <laughs> I, I don't know anything else. I don't. But again, do going back to the topic, <laughs> okay, do you yeah. masturbate to hen- to anime, oh. and then is it toxic also? Yes. Oh. Um, but more more on that, uh, or, or back to that. Yeah. So we're all around like the same age. So we grew up like early mid two thousands, um, when the internet <laughs> is starting to be more of like a common household thing, and kids kind of just went off on their own, um, and found shit. So when you're off on your own and you're an anime fan and you're a horny 14-year-old, you're like, man, I'm going to look up anime porn. Um, and like, th- there starts to like develop a community around it because people are interested in it. Like, 
they talk about it online because there's that degree of anonymity, right? So mm -hmm. it's interesting when we get, you know, to the age that we are now and we realize, oh, like everybody else kind of did this and like, you know, also engaged in the same kind of, kind of material and it's slowly becoming less taboo because we realize we've all done it. So it's just interesting to see that like bleed a little more into the mainstream. And that was like, I think I remember the first time like I heard that Faku was going to have a booth and I was like, oh, that's a thing that I've seen on the internet and never expected to see in real life. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's oh. it's I, I, funny too. Oh, sorry, go go, Harry. I was gonna say, yeah, I think it's interesting because uh, I think there's definitely an element of society where, like, like everything's so heavily sexualized. Everybody likes sex and they like sexualization. Yet simultaneous to that, people are almost told to hide what they're truly into or be secretive about what they're into. Um, for myself, like I've never been interested in the, the hentai anime porn side of things but i get it at the same time like, like it's it's not my cup of tea but i understand why people are into it i understand the fascination and the enjoyment to be had there um but i, I think it's an interesting one because i suppose one of the issues that could arise is that some people neglect to see that as just a bit of weird mm -hmm. fun and they potentially think all women are like submissive maids who want to be raped by you. I know it sounds a bit weird, but like, well, you pretty, you joke, you joke. I joke. <laughs> there's some pretty pretty fucked up stuff, and it could be mm. weird if if certain people found that to be the norm yeah. when actually entering a sexual relationship. Right. So they, they they actually meet a girl and they they enter a sexual relationship and they have a really warped perception of sexuality. And I think you see right now you, you hear about people where like sexually they're really into sort of dominating kind of stuff and I, again I, I don't quite get that I, I think like I don't know like, like each to their own if it's consensual if you both want to do it then totally fine go for it but there's definitely a culture of of guys wanting to sexually dominate women or like ejaculate on them and things that are based in that kind of a degrading mentality and I don't know if that may partially come from uh, pornography or it may partially come from even like anime porn, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just speculating. Like none of this is like a concrete opinion. It's just speculation. Well, that, that's like the the weird part about it too. Isn't it's like it, it's speculation, but a large part of that is because people just don't really want to talk about it. Um, yeah. And you're you're talking about that issue where it's like, oh, you know, it's not like people think that you know hentai fans or whatever people that are into this kind of stuff are just weird sex perverts but there are people that think that uh like yeah what, re what really like got this whole topic started off for me and why i wanted to talk about it was there was this like twitter conversation floating around um where it was somebody basically like bad mouthing anybody um, who went into the 18 plus area in AX and they're saying, wow, they are a bunch of weird, crazy sex perverts. Um, and like not really trying to like consider it and consider that these are just people, but just looking at it like from the outside and immediately assuming that anybody who wanted to engage with that kind of material is morally degenerate. Yeah, and that's weird. And, and like that can be completely separate from someone's actual attitude to relationships. 
like you could have a curiosity in that sort of stuff but you could have a really loving monogamous relationship where you have great sex with your partner and you both have a really nice time whereas there could be someone who doesn't have any interest in that sort of 18 plus section but they're scared of commitment they have one night stands every night they've gotten I don't know like all sorts of diseases and and (laughs) perhaps they have a really unhealthy relationship with sex because they struggle to commit to someone or they struggle and again again, I say all this like if that's what you want to do that's all good like you know you do you but I think Mm -hmm. it's weird how having commitment issues or cheating on your partner or not being able to settle down or having a ridiculous amount of one night stands that's more normalized than maybe just having a fetish or a sort of an interest in something like looking potentially at digital porn like it it it's it, it blows my mind that people are like it like you still have to walk on eggshells talking about this i it's it's like like you were saying like it's weird how so many other things have kind of been normalized in modern culture but porn still has that nope we're going to wag the finger at that um yeah right and it, it goes back to that uh whole the the argument's been around for ages now the sexual versus violent uh thing how we're totally okay with uh having these portrayals of extreme violence in movies books uh games and rating that as a rating that's lower than sex essentially <laughs> Which, like, yeah. I'm, we're not, I don't want to open up that whole can of worms, but when you really sit down and think about it, it it's, it's strange how sexual content rates higher on the inappropriate scale than horrific, horrific violence. Well, there was that thing with Steam, a couple, like, I think a month ago mm-hmm. at this point, where, you know, there was that whole controversy where oh, a lot of, like, don't get me started. Or, like, don't get me started. <laughs> I was on a war on path. Steam. I was, I was, I was like, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, they're blocking like Honey Pop. This game's been out for yeah. like two or three years, and it's like, it's still a game. It's not yeah. like it's like not a video game. Yeah, and as has, like, as someone who does work for Manga Gamer too, who was one of the big people hit in that attack, like what was really upsetting about that whole incident was that the actual Steam versions of those games had no sexual content in them. They would show yeah, maybe, yeah, exactly. They would show like an, a titty maybe, but there would be no actual intercourse shown in those versions. Those scenes were completely removed for the Steam versions. And Steam was like, nope, too much sexual content. Like, I, I think it's, it's weird. But yeah, there's a definite suppression on people's sexual interests. So, so here's something that I've been quite interested in for a while. Um, I think Game of Thrones is probably the series that really popularized this, but it started to have, sex scenes in the show where they'd show some nudity and people mm-hmm. really liked that even though these sex scenes didn't have any bearing to the plot or they didn't have any importance to the narrative uh people liked it and from there you had like 50 shades of gray which was fucking huge but unlike game of thrones it's shit and they did the movies and the movie like i've not seen them but from what i know it's extremely tame it's extremely mild but you'd get people mm-hmm. going out to the cinema to see these really mild sex scenes and to get titillated by them. And I think what it comes down to is there are a lot of people who have an interest in potentially pornographic material or just sexual material. Um, It doesn't have to be like hentai, it could be any kind of sexual material. They have an interest in it, they have that curiosity, but they feel ashamed to actually Mm. look at it. 
So the way they do it is they go to see something like Fifty Shades of Grey or they watch an episode of Game of Thrones with, with some sex in it because they feel like they can do that to fulfil their interest without feeling morally um, wrong. But there right. should be no shame about it. It's like if you want to look at that stuff, if, if as long as what you're looking at isn't uh, illegal, you know, if, if it's a perfectly consensual normal pornographic video go for it like, like there's, there's no shame in that there's no problem like you're watching uh two porn stars that want to be there that are getting paid to do what they're doing they're both there consensually like what's wrong with that people are just making their own choices but i think there's definitely a taboo and you see right now with a lot of live action netflix shows like so many will have sex scenes in that show off news to they've got no meaning they don't mm-hmm. need to be there they serve nothing for the plot they do nothing for the narrative but it's purely there to titillate viewers who want to explore their sexual fantasies but feel too ashamed to do so, too ashamed to actually look something up online or to actually talk about it with a friend yeah. or to start a podcast and talk about it with three male <laughs> friends on a podcast but they then and share, with, all the internet. share with all the internet and have everyone else there. I think there's definitely a, a suppression of uh, yeah. sexual interest. And, and at the end of the day... Um, there's a lot of rapes in society, to be blunt. There's a lot of sexual crime. So clearly we're doing something wrong. Clearly something's not and working because there's a fucking ton of sexual violence and sexual offences. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, not to get political, but uh, Donald Trump is pretty much guaranteed that at some point in his life he's sexually assaulted somebody in some form when you take all things into account. It's pretty fucking obvious. And he's the president. Like, something's gone wrong along the way when it comes to people's attitudes towards sex because rape is getting pretty fucking common and it's scary. Uh, so, yeah. I'm not saying the solution to I that. It's hentai, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't misread The solution is tentacles. <laughs> I, I just think there's an issue with how he tackle sex in society i think a lot of people are very suppressed and i think a lot of people become very uh sexually frustrated which possibly leads to them being very mm. uh i don't know kind of shutting themselves away and then through negative influences mm-hmm. they probably get very 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 toxic mentalities but, towards but, women r- right and that's yeah. when they go and commit a sexual crime um, and that's I don't know if there's a, that exact one-to-one relationship but that is exactly like why i love like the attitude that like anime fans have towards it because and like you, you see this in shows in games and just when it's done well like if you have fan service that's there because you know that the viewers are going to have fun with it it's like all right you completely remove like the thin veneer of like trying to be oh like we're gonna slip this in but oop no no don't don't like look at it too much but we know it's a little risque just that's why i i have a lot of fun with stuff like i've been playing eventical or senran kagura it's like they know exactly what they're they what they want to do and they're doing it and they're having fun with it it's like there's no shame (laughs) Whereas when you have a show, there's a show this season called uh, Hanebato, and it's a badminton show. And I wasn't expecting much, but when I first started watching it, it opens up with this really gorgeously animated badminton match. And I was really impressed by it, except for the fact that the main character had some massive boob jiggle physics. It's like, why is this here? This is like a super serious, intense scene. 
I know sports bras exist. Like, I don't know much about them, but I know they exist. I know they serve one singular purpose. It's to prevent that. Why is it? And it just took me out of the moment so much, especially for the rest of that episode. It was just like this very serious tone for the most part. I just I just couldn't get around it. I'm just like, this has no reason being here. Just set a tone. Don't try to like skirt around it and be like, uh, just like, yeah, exactly. So just, just like go one way or the other. Don't like try to have one yeah. foot in and one foot out. If, if you're going to make it sexually provocative, just go all the way and just kind mm-hmm. of own it. Um, mm-hmm. Something I'd like to see as well, uh, just to bring equality more kind of together, is uh, I'd like to see more sexualization of men. Because again, like for, for female viewers, for heterosexual female viewers, or for gay guys, again, I think that'd be cool because there is definitely a humongous element of sexualization, not just in anime, but in everything, uh, sexualization of women. So I'd like to see that kind of like more sexualization of men. So then there's not really like one group that's discriminated against and, and targeted on this. So it's like, hey, we can all kind of enjoy our bodies, enjoy sex and women aren't being oppressed. They're not being um, heavily sexualized or, or not not being more sexualized than men. So it's equal, yeah. if that makes and that, sense. Yeah, and that, that's the thing is like... It- in you know for a long while you know it was a very heavily male dominated like culture and fandom so naturally when you think like anime fan service you're gonna think like big titty waifus and stuff like that and sure there are like shows like i haven't watched all the way through so i don't know if that's like how it is for the rest of it but yuri on ice there's stuff like free well there's free yeah yeah that's the big one this season um, oh god, is it back for another season? I, oh yeah, I it's know. a season oh, or a movie, but no, I know it's, it's back. Yeah, it's back this season. I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah, but like there, there's stuff like that, or it's like okay, you know, there is clearly like people that are interested in it and people that want to watch it. But yeah, for the most part, it's definitely more skewed towards male interests, which yeah. I feel like might be part of where the stigma is coming from because it's not, it's not. It's by no stretch of the imagination equal in terms of either representation or fan engagement. Um, I, I think, I think, yeah, like, I understand, obviously, they're going to tailor to their biggest demographic, but I do think there's a lot of women, um, if we just focus on heterosexual women for a second, uh, I think there's still very much an interest in uh, in sex. But for women, what they were given was Fifty Shades of Grey that was their thing it's like okay you you have this but it's like come on they deserve better than that like mm. you you de- like ladies of the world you deserve better than 50 shades of gray when it comes to something <laughs> sexually titillate you <laughs> and sexual entertainment for fun you deserve a lot fucking better than that so yeah i i'd, I'd like to see uh that kind of stuff be be pushed more heavily just because like it's just a quality and i think it's there's definitely like kind of a subculture of creepy guys and i don't know mm-hmm. maybe i just want to see more creepy girls at least they'll be useful or something <laughs> well because see you said you bring up the creepy guy thing and i think you know obviously i don't think like every anime fans like this in, you know in, we're yeah, four anime fans we've met many people who like different things yeah but i do think part of the kind of um like the oh the 18 plus section is just a bunch of creepy dudes is because admittedly there are a lot of creepy dudes <laughs> yeah. in the anime community. Yeah. Like, yep. yeah. it's, and I wonder too, because, you know, I, you know, this is going to get a, per- a bit personal, but I don't, I don't think this is too different from a couple other, like a lot of people's experiences. 
you know, I grew, up, I grew up in like a very sexually conservative household. Like we didn't really talk about it. And my parents were like the kind of like, oh, wait until marriage kind of thing. And so, you know, I start watching anime and then I'm like, huh, this, this is like a bunch of like, like sexual content in it. And it's like kind of almost normalized in a way when I'm first watching it. I'm like, oh, this is just like a normal thing, I guess. And, you know, <laughs> during my teenage years, you know, there was that weird, like, well, not weird, but like, you know, during your teenage years, you get like the sexual awakening kind of thing. Like you, you become more aware of it. Puberty hits and you become more aware of like people around you both male and female, you know, everyone, like, is, people are having sex, and, you know, there's stuff like that. I wonder if a lot of the kind of creepy, creepier, um, like, demeanor of some of these guys, it's just that they just never really got away from that kind of pubescent, like, sexual awakening, because, you know, I've kind of mellowed out these days, you know, I, 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 I'm, like, I'm the kind that's, like, more power to you, you know, you, like, you like you like you like watching this and that, and as long as it's not like illegal or like you're not hurting anyone, it's fine. Yeah. But I definitely think there are some people who just like kind of yeah. overstep it, and mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of those people, and I think that's why a lot of the um, eighteen plus anime section is kind of at this point uh, chastised, as well as because again, things like the anime expo plastic doll that you can bang and it's like a vr headset of an anime <laughs> well at the while yeah. at the same time that same convention won't let artists sell nude art that's not oh. even sexualized like there was an artist on twitter who was calling out anime expo because it wasn't sexualized it was just like almost like it was just like a nude full body and it was like a good art piece. It wasn't like sexualized in any way, and they couldn't sell it. And yeah, see, it's, that, that's, it's a very it's really weird. I I mm -hmm. think there's a lot of double standards, and uh, yeah, yeah, like I, I, that's the thing. Like I mentioned, creepy guys before. If you enjoy like whatever whatever you enjoy, uh, if you're a totally normal, well together person who has a healthy attitude towards sex, then you're not creepy. You're you're totally fine. You can enjoy whatever you like, and. It's in all innocence. But yeah, I was obviously specifying uh, the guys that, you know, perhaps even fall into like the incel category where they think they're yeah. amazing. Oh, I, I'm a fucking great guy. Why don't girls like me? <laughs> well, you, you, you smell bad and you shit yourself. Maybe that's why. <laughs> and and you have a body pillow that you come in on, on a nightly basis. Maybe girls don't quite like that. It's a bit of a turn off. Um and, and yeah, I, I don't know if it sometimes stems from like, you mentioned Ed, like having a, a sort of conservative Christian household. Um, I do think if people are, I, if, if I'm a big believer that people should be taught about things as they're growing up. And I think kids should be taught sex education in schools because I think whether parents like it or not, we live in a society where people have sex, people take drugs, people drink alcohol. And I think people need to be educated. Regardless of your mm -hmm. religion, your political beliefs, it exists. It happens, and you can't ignore that. You you can't come out and state, "Oh, God didn't intend for this to exist." It's, it's like, well, whatever you believe, <laughs> it fucking exists. So and uh, it's here. Yeah, you kind of yeah. got, it's here. You got to kind of adapt to it. So your little your son um, needs to learn that uh, yeah, this is life. This is how it works. And, and I I think by suppressing knowledge from people from stopping people from learning and from mm -hmm. sort of holding your kids back. Like, 
not allowing them to explore and to figure things out and, and to be educated, you are potentially going to grow them up into a creepy uh, woman-hating incel. Maybe. In some cases. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think you can never gain any good outcome by really heavily suppressing yeah. things. And you're lucky, Ed, that you obviously were able to get out of that and you could educate yourself and have a normal... Well, I'm assuming have a normal upbringing <laughs> um yeah i mean yeah. it was just that little like bit is like yeah they were they didn't really talk about it like nowadays i'm an adult so it's like more we're more open about it we just joked about stuff like that but when i was a kid you know it was just like always that kind of oh you can't see this you don't know have to know this exists because you're a child and it's that kind of thing and i'm like I'm, tr- I'm trying to think like maybe there are some people who just are still you know, they grew up in this household and now they're out of it. They are finally having the like sexual awakening kind of thing where they're learning about these things. They're able to explore it freely. And it just so happens that maybe some of those people don't know how to properly act right. in those situations. Yeah. And that's why mm-hmm. we get people who are creepier or just simply don't know how to act. Like, I, I don't, I'm, like, obviously, I don't want people to like creep on like women or men or anything. Like, but. I wonder if that has a correlation of some kind. Like maybe I, that the people who are like creeping and like being kind of weird about these kinds of things are also the ones who just simply never had any avenue to explore it in their prior to their adulthood. Yeah, yeah. Well, like looking at it to just in terms of like the kind of people that engage with the media and the culture, it's like I, and I've had, I've thought about this before, and, like, it's always, it honestly always surprises me whenever I, like, go to real-life things um, for anime-related events, and, like, wow, there's a <laughs> lot of normal people here. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's just, like, these are people that just, you know, th- this is a thing that they do, and this is their hobby, and this is what they yeah. enjoy. But, like, on the other side of things, it's, like, I completely understand especially with like the internet subculture that's grown up around it how like people that may not normally have like what we would consider like normal social interactions you know how they've been attracted to anime and anime related media uh so when you have an event like anime expo which is advertised as like you know one of the big you know, anime events in America, you're going the to biggest, the, the biggest, the biggest, capital T H E biggest huh. um, anime event in America. You're going to attract everybody that's interested in it, the normal people, and then the mm-hmm. people that aren't so well adjusted. Um, so that's where, like, you know, it, it's the whole dilemma of the vocal minority or the most visible minority. Where it's like, okay, right. you see yeah. like aberrations from the norm. Um, in terms of like how they fit socially and interact socially, and then people get the wrong impression, like okay, yeah, these like anime fans are all crazy sex perverts, right? And the unfortunate yeah, yeah. part for the anime fandom is like, yeah, the minority thing exists, but at the same time, the minority for the anime fandom is a lot larger than a minority in a lot of other circles. That like, is true. It does. Yeah. It does consist of. Like, it's not the majority still. It's still a minority, but it still consists of a good chunk of the fandom. And because of that, people are exposed to that minority a whole lot yeah. more. And that doesn't help. I think, yeah, like, when it comes to to hentai and stuff like that, you get a lot of people who are pretty obsessed with it. And if you're getting obsessed with that as a genre, 
you're kind of you're in dangerous territory. Do you know what I mean? If you're just having fun with it and you just find it a fun hobby or a fun sexual outlet, then fine. But as soon as it sort of goes beyond fun and it becomes your life, that's when you're going into weird territory and girls probably won't really like you at that point and understandably why. Because you're going to start to adopt a lot of weird personality traits and you're going to front a very weird kind of um, image. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that um, I'm trying not to like I'm trying to figure out how to word this so it's not like too extreme because like there's I think to an extent the kind of content you consume does influence you personally in more ways than people realize like we get a lot of these studies that are like oh you know violent video games they don't do anything for you you're like you as a person and I'm like okay I agree with that. But I do think there is some influence there, like right. uh, not necessarily negative. Like there is just like, for example, you know, you play GTA five or something like that. And, you know, you start just like going fucking ham on some like civilians or something like that. And you can be like angry in the moment and you can be like, you know, letting off some steam. That's not necessarily a negative effect, because at the end of the day, it's not like you're literally doing that in real life. But there is still an effect there. And I yeah. think with the sexualizing thing i think a lot of people adopt these like fetishes and things and some people again much like the violent video game thing some people do take it to an extreme mm-hmm. and that's an issue mm-hmm. yeah some people just can't separate uh reality from the fiction really they yeah think that's, it's and that's a big problem yeah. i guess that extends to so many things i mean uh to use like a current example as well it's kind of like if you listen to say little pump or something like that um, I mean, you have a shit taste in music, firstly, but but let's say that's what you listen to. If you just think, oh, this is just a laugh, it's just fun music or whatever, then that's fine. But if you think this is the coolest shit ever, I want to be just like him, again, your obsession now is going to cause problems because you're going to end up being a misogynist dick, um, yeah. which is the little pump ethos. But yeah, I think like, you know, you can enjoy all of these things regardless of what music you like, what games you like, what films you like, what porn you like, whatever. Like you can enjoy whatever. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you become unreasonably obsessed with something, that's when you're going to start to get problems. And I think, yeah, you see a lot of these anime fans, they're just way too obsessed with hentai. They they go to Anime Expo and they beeline for the 18 plus section. And it's like... Yeah, I mean, if I was there, I'd, I'd check it out for the novelty of it. I'm sure it'd be a laugh. And, you know, because it, it's, I don't know, like, I think anyone would want to go in purely out of interest. Uh, uh-huh. But mm-hmm. to, to be like, oh, I can't wait to go to the 18 plus section. It's going to be so sexy. I'm going to spend all day there. Whoa, like, calm down, man. Don't you want to go and see the My Hero Academia movie or something? <laughs> like, do you want to just <laughs> yeah. cool off a bit and just do something a little less perverted? But- but that's but, why. Yeah. Sorry to, but but that no, that's yeah, why I I think it's so important to like normalize it. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. that's why I love whenever I see things you know, like Senran Kagura getting popularity, um, because it's you know people talking about it out in the open and acknowledging that yeah, there's like it it's kind of smutty, but it's great because of that. Um, and that was why like at least for the first two thirds, I absolutely love Darling in the Franks. Um. It it just completely lost like the fun fan service part of it. 
Um, but when it was using it, you know, it was like, okay, this is just a thing that happens to kids. This is puberty. We're talking about it and we're doing it in a fun way. Yeah, I think all, all of these things have to be normalized. And I think the less taboo things are, the more open we can be as a society. And I think it will prevent people isolating themselves and becoming incels, becoming just sort of misogynist potentially dangerous people um i i think yeah i think also it comes down to like parents need to educate their kids more i think if, if you just like shut your kid in their bedroom and just don't ever talk to them about sex and they discover it through pornography and that is their only uh understanding of it and then perhaps they never have any female friends so they never have female friends from school or whatever so mm -hmm. they, they the only women they've ever actually seen are porn stars so it's like you'd have a really fucking warped view of women if, if your only experience was people who are gargling cum for money or whatever. <laughs> like, So I think, yeah, I, I think all of these things need to be normalised. We all need to start talking more about it. And I think hopefully that would prevent creeps. I think if, if hentai-obsessed people realized you can enjoy hentai it's all good you can have fun with it and society understands it but also keep in mind it's not real real life's not like that and you can't take those attitudes into actual sexual relationships because you're gonna have a bad time so and more importantly yeah. <laughs> more importantly you should never wear an ahigao shirt in public <laughs> oh my god there was like i saw like four or five it oh was, my god <laughs> i don't know why that's picking like, up i understand but i'm like i'm like i guess it's like a i get it's a joke but it's just kind of like it's weird dude it's uh, weird. people 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 don't get the joke basically they just yeah, see they just see yeah uh, uh okay people well are that was that <laughs> but anyways uh, strange. Going, going away from uh sexy times uh kyle you just mentioned darling and the franks and it's something well, are we going away that, from it mm, I mean, <laughs> with the, the show, show went are we we're kind of slightly yeah. going away from the the, the sexiest of sexy times <laughs> we're, we're going to more fan servicey stuff so uh mm -hmm. so like this is we'll end on this today but yeah um so, so i finished it kyle you finished it matt you finished it have you seen any I of have. it or are you totally new to it I watched an episode. Ah, okay. Well, we're so gonna... I know that there's like there's like big dinosaur things, and that uh, the girl has horns, and she has uh, she she was naked in the pool. And that's Did you I see know. the piloting ah. positions? You probably didn't. I think that's the second. No, episode. I saw it because uh, Twitter reminded me of it. <laughs> All right, so you've seen the most important part at least. Okay, we when could... it first came out, I definitely saw it, and I was like, "This is this is quite the All show." Right. I guess that they're going with this direction. We can progress with the conversation then. Good. Stuff <laughs> yeah. right. Uh... Matt, do you want to talk first, actually? And then, then Kyle, you next. But Matt first, because you've not spoken for a little while. Um, right. You finished the whole <laughs> series. What do you think? Okay, yeah. So, first of all, disclaimer, if it wasn't obvious, we're going full-on spoiler territory for Darling and Franks right now. So, if you don't want to get spoiled, you're planning on watching it later on, tune out now. Um, with that said, um, right. So, for the whole ride for Darling and Franks, I was always, I've always been... I could never relax with it, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kyle knows what I mean. Basically, I could never really understand exactly what sort of tone it was going for. In the first third of the show, it was this over-the-top, um, almost hypersexualized show with fan service everywhere. 
I'm like, okay, I can get into this sort of, but there's also this sort of serious plot elements as well. I'm not sure where it belongs. Am I supposed to take it seriously? Am I not supposed to take it seriously? Whatever, let's keep going. The second third is when it started getting into those coming of age, adolescence sort of uh, stories. And I thought that was very sweet seeing these essentially a test tube children kind of uh, in an isolated environment because we just had we just had this conversation here here where if you don't teach your kids anything about sexual uh, feelings, then they're going to be very confused about. It. And Darlene Franks is exhibit A on that. These kids were not yeah. taught anything and they kind of came to these conclusions on their own. And for the most part, it worked out, thankfully. And seeing them kind of work their way through the feelings, especially with uh, Mitsuru and uh, Kokoro, that was very well done, I thought. And that's when I thought the show was at its peak, kind of exploring these yeah. themes. Um, but then, out of fucking nowhere, literally out of <laughs> fucking nowhere, you have this space opera armada plot that had no place being in there and was not really foretold at all in the series prior. prior. When Verm, because there's... Obviously, there's the whole ape, ape uh, people that ran the human, ran the adult society, and it was really, it was very clear that they weren't quite human. Either they'd done something to themselves, or they were long living, or something like that. There was something wrong with them, and the show was going like in a clear direction for like a human hubris route. Like, look at what we've done um, to the planet. This is our punishment, and they kind of get into that with the whole magma energy bit. But then Verm comes in. And it's just like, nope, we're just going to, we just want to mess with you. And yeah. it was so out of nowhere. It broke everything that the show had kind of like built up into that moment and kind of uh, what cheapened the value of everything that it had done up until that point. And from episode 20 on, it was just a very steady decline. But even then it had like the shiny moments when they were back on Earth kind of rebuilding themselves Um those very personal moments between the characters where they were showing their growth, that was the best moment of the show. But it was just so overshadowed by all of the bullshit <laughs> that it just couldn't it couldn't shine through. Think, and it's a real shame because that show had potential. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like one of the bigger pieces of bullshit that I still can't really forgive, um, because you know, it was the central part of the show, is like past past the point she becomes a vegetable. Like zero two and hero are just like they they go from being super interesting and a fun pairing to just like all right they're there to move the plot forward and that's about it and that's like and it, it it's not just the weird direction the plot took it's everything that the show could have done wrong with the story it kind of did. Um, yeah. You were talking about that issue with it having like trouble settling on the tone, mm -hmm. and that is completely and abundantly clear in the last third, where like I I was assuming and like the proper way to have written the show would have been to have combined the first and like second kinds of tones because those work pretty well uh, for the first and second thirds of right. you know over the top fan service. And then exploring your sexuality as, you know, a teenage pubescent. Um, and then, like, in the last third, like, figuring out what that means for yourself. But in the end, it, like, it, it hit it sometimes. 
and then not really in others. Like, I, I'd say the only real like story thread that follows that kind of theme would be Mitsu and Kokoro. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, it's just it doesn't do a good job of balancing out the characters. Um, it's, it, it's a whole it's a whole fucking mess, and mm-hmm. like I. I'm so disappointed I, in, in, in it is really what it is. Uh, it's like, I, I it, wanted right. the show to it be good. It had so much potential. Ugh. Yeah. I, I personally, I was on board with it for a long time because uh, I, I wasn't, I quite enjoyed the first arc, but it was quite slow. But when, when uh, Hero and Zero Two finally sort of partnered up and you've got the beach episode and then you've got the following episode where they, they separate the dormitories... I thought they were really good episodes because they finally showcased the cast of characters. That was when it was at its peak. Yeah, for me, that was like the beach episode is the start of the great stuff because that is the start of the character relationships between all the cast. And what I find strange is that it really mirrors Gurren Lagann's narrative um, direction. So for Gurren Lagann, I hate the first story arc. I think it's absolutely boring. And it just does nothing for the show. It feels so disjointed, um, but it's kind of essential. But then I found the middle story arc where Nia comes into it and they have to take down the Spiral King. I think that, I think that's his name. I can't remember at this point. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they have to take him down. Uh, and they're going along in that big kind of mech. I thought that was quite fun. And that was, that was a very charming part of the story. Then you've got the time skip. And it's still okay after the time skip, but it does dip in quality. Uh, Darling of the Franks, I found I enjoyed it more than Gurren Lagann, but it followed a similar kind of sort of up and down in quality. Like the start was quite slow. And, Bell curve. And quite, yeah, yeah. Like it starts and it's quite boring. Then the middle arc is amazing. I think it's really, really fun just seeing them all getting along. Uh, and, and there's great moments like when Hero, like when you've got that flashback episode and you realize that uh, Hero and Zero Two realize who each other are. And when Hero's crying, he says, it was you, you were the goal of the picture book. And the episode ends. That moment was amazing. Uh, and then when they finally partner up and they, they finally realise who one another are and they say they love each other. It's really cheesy, but it's fantastic. And then, to me, the moment where the show kind of stops, like the moment where it nosedives, is when Mitsuru and Kokoro's wedding is split up. That, to me, right. is that like moment where that split apart and all the characters become sad, that correlates with my sadness, really. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. from there, they're no longer at the dormitories, they're no longer hanging out and building and developing as characters. They're kind of sent off and they're in a kind of weird place. But at this point, when I was watching it, I was still thinking, you know what, I've enjoyed it so much so far, I have total faith it's going to pull it out of the bag and it'll be okay. And then even when Verm showed up, I was like, yeah, that's a bit weird, but I- I've got faith in the writing. They'll pull it out of the bag. It'll be okay. Mm. And then it was when Zero Two transformed into a ginormous space mech. <laughs> and I just thought, for fuck's sake, you've got one more episode. To episode. <laughs> I don't think you're going to do it. You've got yeah. one episode to, to pull this out of the bag. And, and it didn't really. I thought the, the finale was nice. I thought it was quite a... It, it showed all the characters kind of having the endings of their arcs. And that was quite nice. But at the end of it, I kind of reflected on it. And I just thought... You know what? That could have gone in a much different direction, <laughs> and it could have been, it could have been really good. I almost think if he if they'd have just reined it in a little bit and not gone so bonkers with it, 
it would have been a much simpler but a much more enjoyable narrative where it could have been the predictable but genuinely good kind of uprising where they have to learn more about their society and they kind of rise against the adults that have oppressed yeah. them. And it's more of a right. contained storyline. And it's kind of predictable, but I just feel like it would have worked better. It's yeah, predictable like you... doesn't necessarily mean bad either. Yeah, that's it. It's like sometimes it's what you want to happen. Like, And when it doesn't happen, it's it's kind of like, I don't know, I didn't expect this. And it's cool that it's kept me on my toes and it surprised me, but I don't actually like it. It's not actually a good thing. Like you could open the next Star Wars movie with a, uh, with Kylo Ren shitting into a bucket, surprising, but not good. <laughs> like <laughs> you don't want it to open like that. So, yeah, I don't know. You don't always need to do the most bonkers idea to make a narrative good. Sometimes you can just do the the simple predictable thing, but do it really well. Yeah, and like there are rumors going around um, that a one. Uh, rushed the production. I can um, see that. Yeah. And the the creator um, had originally planned for 27 episodes, um, but that got cut. Um, it definitely could have benefited from a good... Well, if it could have benefited from three more episodes and a completely limiting verm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Which is what people are hoping is going to be the case with the manga, which is just the creator slash writer and the artist um, mm-hmm. because you know, this is the story that he wanted to tell um, oh, wow. rather than like what ended up happening. That would be really cool to see. And yeah. I, I, I do think even if they'd have had Verm in it, even though that wasn't a great idea, I do still think three more episodes would have really alleviated a lot of issues because it did feel very rushed at the end. It did feel like it didn't have... Uh, um, embellishment that the middle story arc had. It felt like all these characters really had time to grow and to bounce off each other mm. in the middle story arc. And then the ending just felt like they were rushing to get to the, the, the finale. Um, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I, almost, I almost feel like the entire aspect of like the, the action and the Franks units, it was almost like not needed because it, the, action, right. the action scenes were completely underwhelming. Like they didn't really do much with that. I feel like the only real uh, good aspect of the show was the drama. And the drama was amazing. It was a fantastic drama show, I felt like. You know, all these characters, all their relationships. That was really, really good. Um, But I I understand why the Franks were needed, why that was obviously like an essential narrative point. But at times it just didn't make sense. Because they were always doing these action scenes, but they weren't doing them very well. Right. What what do you want to be? Do you want to be an action anime? If so, do it better. Um, It it all just felt a bit weird. You can have action in drama. It's just like, by by the show's end, they felt completely divorced from each other. Where it's like, okay, well, now we're watching the drama sequence, and then now we're watching them fight. Then now we're watching them yep. have drama. Then now we're watching. It's just like it. Like, that that's what I loved about the first and second segments is that they were more or less intertwined. Where you know they, I, and I don't know why they decided to drop the puberty metaphor because it worked so well from a narrative and an action perspective, especially with how they established like the rules of the mechs to work. It's yeah. just, which they never really established. They, they why. don't, but they, they, they hand wave that away. They, they do, but the important part is that, like, 
they have like their own reasons within the world for it to work for narrative purposes. Right. And they kind of just drop it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, like, why would you not continue moving forward with something that you spent like 16 episodes, if not developing, at least like running around as the central idea? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's also certain times where, like, they had a great idea and they just didn't capitalize on it. So I think, like, when Ikono said... That I she, was going to bring that up. Yeah, so yeah. she has feelings for Ichigo. And I thought, that's really cool because that was actually one of the things I noticed about the series. All the time, it mentioned male and female partners, but it never actually mentioned homosexuality. And I thought, well, like, that just doesn't seem realistic. Surely that should be brought into it at one point. And with Ikono bringing that up, I was like, that's fantastic. We've actually mentioned now that gay people exist in this universe and it just made it feel more believable but then beyond one conversation her feelings never come back into it nope and she just, just think, becomes a bedridden librarian yeah, yeah and which by the way did you guys could you guys tell that she had feelings for ichigo before that scene kind of or i i didn't I realize know. but i rewatched it and there is a moment when she mentions when she tries to pilot with with ichigo yeah and uh, she she's not able to but i didn't really think much of it at the time i didn't really see what she was trying to get at but obviously when right. we watched it after i was like oh of course because she likes it to go and i get it now um but yeah. they could have done more they could have done so much yeah more exactly because but, i didn't yeah i didn't see it at all either so when that when she came and said that i'm like okay this is cool but it's a little bit out of left field and again like you said they don't develop on that further afterwards i'm like okay so you it was like a checkbox it's like okay we got the homosexually alien check all right moving on like oh. yeah you gotta do a little more with that you can't just throw that you, in like, there for the could, sake of being they could there. have explored it really really nicely they, they had could, a, have, they could yeah. have almost gone further and had an element of the adults oppressing her for her sexuality to almost draw correlations with real life where gay people are still oppressed and there could have almost mm. been like some social commentary on it it could have been really quite interesting and there could have been a very pro-gay theme that doesn't actually feel like uh it's like very pro-gay but it's also like very narratively yeah. fulfilling they could have i don't know like i'm not franks, a writer, franks it could, could have been, have been really a lot of things franks yeah. could have been good and i think that's that, like that's really like what i feel like our or at least my frustrations really boil down to is I'm more disappointed than anything because they had such great material on their hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's always the worst too. It's like, it's, it's never, you're never the, dis <laughs> a really bad, a really bad show movie or game is never as disappointing as just like a mediocre one that could have been better. Like when you play, when you watch or play something mediocre, it's just like, this is, Eh, but it could have been so much better. It had so much potential. Whereas if something was bad, it's just like this had no hope at all. You can kind of laugh it off. But, ah, mm. oh, man. Yeah, Franks. <laughs> yeah, I agree on that. Um, I mean, I, I did enjoy it overall. I still like it. But I just, I, it could have just been so much more. And it's a sort of show I'd struggle to recommend. I, I, I kind of would. I'd recommend it because I do still think people could enjoy it. And I'm sure there are people that love it. Stop but... on episode 16. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't recommend it fully thinking, oh, the ending is going to be amazing. Because I do think, you know, up until episode 16 or so, like up until the end of that wedding, uh, it's fantastic. Even though the start's quite slow, 
I don't really mind that so much because it still feels quite narratively important and it, the middle arc is so good I don't mind but it's slow to start but the ending just it just didn't really land for me and at the time I was really trying to get on board with it I was really trying to uh buy into the whole verm aspect but um in the end yeah on reflection yeah I agree with you guys completely it's just it is completely untapped potential and it's a shame but Mm. oh well Trigger are doing another series soon, aren't they? Uh, yeah. With yeah. another studio. I can't remember who, but I don't know anything about that. But maybe that's going to be good. Who knows? I know the protagonist looks like a neon commune. <laughs> so, Ed, with all that said, <laughs> to help incl- loop you back into this conversation a yeah. little bit, with, with this knowledge of a show that you haven't watched yet, um, what I'm what do you think? I'm interested to see how it how long before it turns into a trash fire, <laughs> right? Because yeah, are you are you inter- interested to see how it like roller coasters along like this and up and down and like, or is it just like totally initially, put off? Yeah, initially I was just gonna watch it because uh, out of mostly curiosity to see how it goes. Like I haven't started it or finished it. Obviously, I, mm-hmm. I mean I started yesterday, but like I have friends who really like the show, so I'm like I'll watch it and. Initially, I was kind of put off by the whole fan service weird robot mech piloting thing. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Why are they like looking like they're banging? In yeah, the I still don't think though. that's necessary. Oh, I don't no, think it's necessary. Fun. It's fun. <laughs> okay, I know, I know, it's symbolic and all that, but like, I was like, okay, this is a bit strange. But I'll, I'll give it a shot. I finished the first episode, and I'm like, okay, zero two is the best part of the show. There we go. And I, I kind of <laughs> like, I kind of like Ichigo, I guess, and. Now that I know, it just goes downhill. It goes into space because apparently every trigger game has to go to space. Because <laughs> Kill a Kill did it, and Luluko is literally called Space Patrol Luluko. And I don't know if Little Witch did it, but anyway. Uh, well, they had a giant. Kind of. They went as a stratosphere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Not quite space. Really high up in the sky at the end. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to mention that yeah. as well. Uh, comparing it to Kill a Kill, Kill a Kill has a lot of fan service, but by the end, it's justified a lot of it. With the whole narrative of like you know the, the clothing and you, you strip off your clothes clothing. are literally the enemy. Yeah, it, it's, literally it's, the enemy. It's pretty bonkers, but I really really like it because what at first might seem a little bit weird, in the end you're so on board of it. Like yeah, take your clothes off, take all your clothes off. Like like it's bonkers, but it really genuinely makes it work. And I was kind of expecting Darlin and Franks to do that by the end. I was expecting by the end all of this symbolism would have a meaning in the narrative and it'd be like, oh, I get it. I get why they were positioned like that. I get why it was like, you know, what it was a metaphor of whatever. Like, I get what they were trying to go for in the narrative with that. But in the end, it's like, so they're just kind of referencing sex and it doesn't really have any meaning. And again, it's completely lost potential. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That was the show in a nutshell, basically. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah I'll, I'll probably still watch it um because i mean i at least like the first third sound like it's good I, i'm digging the character design honestly the animation's really good yeah like f- the from the first episode at least the animation looks great mm-hmm. don't not feeling the mech design necessarily but no, are, like are you not a kind are you not thing. a fan of a uh, human-based mech design no i kind of like the like evangelion look honestly like Ooh, the, a weird alien thing like the weird kind of alien looking robots or like the near look where for some reason they all kind of look like Wally, but it's fine. 
<laughs> but yeah, I'll probably check it out. Um, at the very least, I'll stop at like episode sixteen and be like, okay, this is a great narrative. It's wrapped up now. We're I know. Yeah, because I, I know we've attacked it relentlessly, but honestly, it's still worth it. Um, I'd say from the beach episode until the wedding, that's like everything in between there is fantastic and really, really good. Um, but even the ending, I know there are some people who enjoy it. Uh, I've, in fact, I've seen a lot of people in the Crunchyroll comments who love it. So right, it's yeah. there's also mm-hmm. a lot of people saying they hate it. So it's a mixed bag. Um, but I think there's some there's some uh, what's it called? There is some merit to a show where the ending kind of like falls off at like tapers off at the end. Mm. And because at people. least then it's like. I, I, at least then you can like criticize it and like have more of a discussion in a weird way than you would yeah. just like oh it's a really good ending yeah well yeah. like with shows especially um and like or at least with franks in particular like the bad parts of it don't cancel out the good that it had mm-hmm. like it, mm-hmm. like at the end of the day like there are still things that like i'm glad i watched franks i'm disappointed yeah. with how it panned out but there were like absolutely some parts of the show where i'm like this is pretty great and this was like i like i'm glad i watched it yeah but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's just frustrating being on the other side of the screen and thinking to yourself what what the fuck was wrong with you triggering anyone mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes it is also like that um corporate yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. interference can change things too so we'll see what I, happens with the i would well. i would really love to know behind the scenes because uh i, I know um goro's voice actor had to pull out in, in the last couple of episodes because he actually felt right sick. yeah oh um, oh shit yeah yeah so in episode 23 and 24 uh he has a different voice actor i didn't notice until episode 24 but his voice is slightly deeper it's a different actor because yeah. his uh original voice actor got sick but i'd love to know did that throw off their production schedule did having an actor leave did that potentially damage things uh, uh what was the relationship between trigger and a1 studios how yeah because yeah, because i get the impression something was potentially off uh, i mean there's also the fact that like two weeks they didn't air episodes because they had and they did like behind the scenes episodes instead and that indicates things didn't go smoothly for 24 episodes there were blips along the way i think uh, it, right. it, it might have been an a at ax but somebody admitted that like they didn't finish the last episode until the day before it was aired really that sounds about right considering anime production honestly mm-hmm. yeah i wish like studios were just given more time and more money i wish for yeah I, i'd rather studios I, i'd rather wait like an extra week to see an episode and see them on like a bi-weekly basis but no they're going to be great because the studios actually had time to do it um i don't know maybe that'll happen in time i know there's a lot of backlash towards the fact that animators are just sort of treated like shit in the industry and they're just overworked massively yeah. so I hope that in time... And, I mean, there could be some behind-the-scenes things, too, because, I mean, we talked about it, you know, uh, outside of the podcast, but there is that Patri- uh, right. yeah, Patreon for kick for um, Studio Trigger. Oh, yeah. And it does kind of almost signal that something... Mm-hmm. There might be, like, something behind the scenes that's not going great. Yeah. You know? I love Trigger, so I really, really hope that they get more money and uh, they're able to create more cool shows, because... I, I yeah. genuinely think their animation's fantastic. I love their style. And I just love that they do create pretty weird narratives and they push certain boundaries, they push certain conventions. 
And I think that's a lot of fun. I think you always need people doing that in any medium. You need kind of weird creators to push boundaries to some degree and do things a bit differently. Every, yeah. Every medium needs a Hideo Kojima. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, I think we should knock it on the head there. That's gone pretty well, right. I think. Yeah. Had some really good discussions in there for sure. We went from plastic dolls to plastic dolls to plastic characters. Yeah. 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 It's been good. <laughs> a lot of plastic. <laughs> right. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Ed. Uh, where can we find you on Twitter? No problem. Uh, Twitter.com slash Dangerous Reaper. Um, I tweet a lot of political opinions because it's a it's an interesting time these days. I also retweet a lot of anime art because anime art's good. And uh, sometimes I'll tweet something insightful. Sometimes. Yeah. And uh, what kind of articles can we find on Goombastomp that you wrote recently? Uh, recently, I wrote a review for Flavors of Youth, uh, the new anime film by the studio. Uh, I think it was... I, I forgot the Comic name. It was Comics Wave, I think. Comic, Comics Wave. Comics Wave. Uh, Comics Wave uh, about, you know, uh, the flavors of youth and what it's like to live in the... Uh, to re to remember the past and kind of, you know, growing up and becoming an adult. I also wrote a review on Kase-san. I mentioned it earlier. It's about two lesbian high school seniors who are very soft and cute and in love. And it's great. I'm also going to try to bang out more AX reviews based on games that we talked about today, like Indivisible and Code Vein. And I'll probably write about Nier at some point because I have to. <laughs> Sounds good. Good times. Okay, Matt, what's your name on Twitter? You can find me at Musing Mojack, M-U-S-I-N-G-M-O-J-A-C-K. And I'm going to sign off with one currently airing anime recommendation. If you are a science nerd at all, specifically biology, oh my God. or interested in the human body at all, Cells at Work is a must watch. Okay, so it's good. All right. <laughs> yes, it is fantastic. It's it's Osmosis Jones, the anime version, essentially, and it's amazing. <laughs> Would recommend. The platelets are adorable. They must be protected. That's that's all you'll get from me. <laughs> Osmosis Jones is my favorite anime. Anyways. <laughs> all right, then you'll love cells at work. <laughs> Kyle, uh, you are... I know your Twitter name, but you can say. What is your Twitter name? I can say it. I am at... I'm not sure if you can. <laughs> Lark? Lark the Roof? <laughs> Lark on Ciel? Like the rogue, that's that's the actual one. Um, like Ed, I also retweet pictures of cute anime girls because I really like cute anime girls. Anime, anime's cute. It's great. And anime's great, <laughs> especially when it's full of hentai, as we know. Well, <laughs> there there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I am Harry underscore Morris underscore. And uh, I I don't post too much on Twitter. Oh, I did recently have a viral tweet. Okay, here's a fun story. I've never, ever had like, a popular tweet ever in my life. And uh, there was a video of, of Donald Trump talking about Brexit. And it, it was just moronic. You could just see him winging it on the spot, completely making it up and just improvising absolute bullshit. And it, it was almost, it reminded me of, do you know if like a four-year-old child tries to explain their dream to you? They try to tell you the dream they had. And then, um, and then this, and then, um, uh, and that was basically it. it was, this was a grown man, the president of one of the, the most powerful countries in the world, talking like that. 
but uh i i posted a, a sort of a tweet on uh, in response to that just it just kind of, kind of saying translation i know nothing about brexit yada 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 and it got i think uh 2500 likes which Holy crap. i know yeah I got, I got a lot i've never ever had anything go popular ever oh, in my man. life so i felt really really happy and my uh my phone was buzzing for days so just a, a fun little brag there so you should definitely <laughs> follow me on twitter i'm famous <laughs> yeah. and follow and follow our new political podcast where we just talk about brexit the entire time yes yeah. that's it uh, uh we need a, anime, brexit, we need a brexit anime <laughs> oh that exists that exists are you on fucking YouTube. kidding me are you <laughs> fucking kidding me right now i'm not right. so, like it's it's not official but it's it might as well be it's very close it's pretty great yeah you can look at that after we're done recording <laughs> oh okay my God. Ne- next episode we can all share our opinions on brexit that'll be good <laughs> right uh and let's talk about russia let's talk about <laughs> russia and brexit and donald trump and theresa may and yeah just politics and just alienate lots of the audience and zero two and, and zero two yeah zero two for president i'll work for that <laughs> <laughs> anyways cheers guys uh let's leave it there and it's time to stop recording now Woof.